0: Thank you for tuning in to another inspirational moment on this fabulous monday i wanted to just let you know that this message is a little different and we recorded it while online and so there are some glitches in the sound but hopefully you can move past those and enjoy this episode thanks for tuning in All right, guys, this week's inspirational moment is not coming from a historical Christian romance novel, but rather we are sitting down with Sarah Turnquist and Greg Bridgman to talk about what is a biblical marriage. And so I'm just going to kick us off by asking you two to just tell me how you would define a biblical marriage.
1: Wow. Um, Ladies first, Sarah, that's kind of a big question. so. (laughs) <laughs> Probably going to just say yeah, um, I would, I my husband and I have been Sarah married said.
2: for 15 years, and what what I would define a biblical mar- marriage as is the way that God defines it. It is two people that are pursuing Him and linking arms together on that journey.
1: That's awesome. So, the thing that impresses me about marriage is God's design for marriage, and we first encounter that in Genesis two, when Adam first sees the woman. Uh, so God puts him into a sleep and he takes the woman out of man and makes the woman and he stands up and he sees her and he says the biblical equivalent, and I've looked up the Hebrew of hubba hubba. He says, Oh my goodness, this then is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And for this cause, a man shall leave his parents and cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And the coolest thing that people overlook about that is that is the first example mm-hmm. of prophecy in the entire Bible. Because Adam didn't have the, the woman. But somehow he knew in the way that God created him that that was God's design for marriage, was for them to cleave unto each other and become one flesh. And so I believe that that is biblical marriage. And, uh, you know, he designed men in a certain way and he designed women in a certain way, despite this current secular nonsense. Um, and when you fulfill those roles, according to his will, you tend to get along really well. Uh, at, at least if 21 years of marriage <laughs> is any testimony to that.
0: I love that. Uh, I really, I could not agree more with both of you. Uh, God really uniquely designed women to fulfill one part and men to fulfill the other. And we, when we link up together, it's amazing really is. We really balance each other out. So I would agree after 18 years of marriage, I would agree with that too. (laughs) And uh, so what are some things, so we all are on the same page, it's it's, uh, between man and woman. And I'm going to pause real quick, Greg, just to talk about how you talked to how God created woman from man and then placed him in front of man. Our pastor, I love him to death, he said, this is what I believe happened and how woman got her name woman is that Adam looked at her and went, Whoa, man. (laughs) (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Well, yeah, because at this point there's no Eve. She's the woman. He didn't name her until after the fall Mm -hmm. and he named her Eve, which means life, which Mm -hmm. is more interesting than son of the red earth, which is what Adam means. Um, But, you know, basically, you know, Eve uh, by her, Direct action, and Adam, by his inaction, brought sin and death into the world. And to redeem her, mm. yeah. the first thing he did is give her a name that meant life. And I really like that, and I respect that. He was starting down the road of his
0: I love that. fallen yeah, earth mantle, awesome.
1: even in that moment. So
0: what are some things that you would say you would uh, to have a biblical marriage today that we need to do the role of the woman, the role of the man so that God can bless our marriages.
1: Wow. What a great question. I I think, uh, it is important that we, Mm -hmm. you know, Egrich, the Egrich wrote a book called love and respect. And it's kind of important that we understand that that's what thrives. You know, I, I, I honestly could do without love, but I could not do without respect. Um, To to be disrespected is uh, just to to take away all the wind from my sails. But my wife, likewise, cannot do without love. So I don't have to respect her, but I have to love her. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about that is she doesn't even have to deserve it or earn it. It's still Mm -hmm. incumbent upon me to love her sacrificially just as Christ loved the church. And... The, the converse of that is I don't really have to earn my wife's respect because it's her duty to respect me <laughs> no matter what. And so there's, there's this uh, cultural idea today that it has to be earned uh, every day. And that just is not correct. Uh, if we love our wives as Christ loved the church, if we respect our husbands, uh, you're going to get along. And then the thing that uh, my wife and I have, uh, have done over the years is we've also invested in each other's love languages. Um, and mine is gifts and hers is not. Uh, so uh, early on, I would bring home these little, you know, you'd be out of the store, you see some little doodad and you'd bring it home. Oh, Hallie will love this. And of course, I'm handing it to her. And, and by handing this little gift to her, this little tchotchke, I'm saying, <laughs> I love you. And what she's saying is, why is he bringing garbage into the house? You know, I don't want this this junk. You know, and so learning that my love language is gifts, and learning that her love language is acts of service, uh, which took some adjustment for me because I'm very independent. I don't want to have the appearance that I'm not self sufficient, right? Uh, but to let her serve me uh, is her love language for me, and so that was challenging for both of us to to work that way, but. Those are just a few things. I think if you read The Five Love Languages by Chapman, you'll get an education if you've never read it.
0: And I would also recommend I've Love heard and them, Respect by the not not read them.
1: Sarah,
0: do you have something to add to that or say ditto?
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I want to say ditto, first of all. But I also have done a little more digging into the word that is used for woman in Genesis as her connecto. And it's it's a lot of times poorly translated. and a better translation may be sustainer beside and what i understand is the picture that 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 word gives is of two boards pressing up against each other but holding each other up at the same time this this tension of by support and opposition we can be we can be um you know male and female together so um I echo what Greg said that the respect for the man is very important, but also supporting and sustaining by prayer, supporting and sustaining with your words, um, are, are all very important things in my in my humble opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I would
0: agree. I would agree with both of you. Some of the things that I've just learned over the years, and just and even just talking to um, other people who have been married for many years is this, there is this battle because we live in a fallen world. We know as women, we try to conquer men. I guess you could say we want to rule the roost. And it always turns around and bites you in the butt, really, to be honest. And so what I found is even if my husband and I, for some reason, are at odds, when I just step back and stop trying to take the lead and Mm you know really just give it up in prayer it generally not generally it always turns out better than even what i wanted in the first place mm-hmm. uh, but i i also uh just because of the culture we live in would love your thoughts on the way the home should be made up with the husband as the head of the house cuz i feel like that is some of those verses that tackle that in the bible are really misconstrued as far as People take it and make it seem like the woman should just be grovelling at the man's feet right, and that is not at all <laughs> what that is supposed to be like,
2: so I would just love to hear your thoughts on on that as well the issue of submission is yes. a biblical one and it like you're saying it's very it's very clear the way scripture lays that out. The pastor that did premarital counseling with my husband and I told my husband something that has really changed our perspective on submission. He said that, you know, as Christ loved the church, the man loves his wife. And so my opinion and my viewpoint is important to be heard. It's valuable. Um, but at the, if we come to a crossroads where we can't come to an agreement, then that is when I submit. But this pastor said to my husband, he said, the number of times in your marriage, your whole marriage, 50 year marriage, no matter how long it is, that you truly have to ask your wife to submit just because I said so. You should be able to count it on one hand at the end of your marriage, at the end of your life. And um, it just I love that it is, like Greg said, a beautiful picture of how Jesus loves his church and how the church submits to Jesus' authority. And when it's when it's working the way God designed it to, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. I think um, in terms of biblical manhood, a lot of that is lost today. Uh, especially among Christian churches, because as I read scripture, men have three obligations and they all start with P you have to provide, you have to be the provider. And there's a lot of slack, lazy bums out there that don't provide and, um, you have to protect, you know, um, and it takes courage and it takes selflessness and it takes a sacrifice to protect your wife, your family, your kids. Um, And a lot of cowards out there abdicate that. But you also have to be the high priest of your home. You have to be the spiritual leader and very much in tune with what Christ wants, what God wants for you and your family. And you're the decision maker there. And ultimately the responsibility is yours. And I'll go back to Genesis again. You know, Eve eats the apple. She hands it to Adam with her, the man with her, right? Uh, A lot of people would like to pretend that Adam was somewhere else in the garden, maybe take a nap. He was right there beside her the whole time. Hands it to him. Okay, so then God comes into the garden. And what does he say? Eve, come here. You you and I have a bone to pick, right? That's not what he says. He says, hey, Adam, what's up? Which means if my bride, Hallie, messed up really, really bad. And Jesus rang our doorbell the next day. Hallie answered the door and said, hey, Howie, how you doing? It's good to see you. Is Greg home? Because it is my responsibility as the spiritual head of my household to cover my family and to protect my family. And that, I think, is the biggest thing that's lacking in Western churches, is men taking responsibility for the spiritual leadership of their home. And by responsibility, I mean accountability, because one day you're going to have to answer for that. Yeah. Uh, So
0: it does. I love that. Our pastor always talks about it's the husband's job to present his wife as a beautiful bride to Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I just love that picture, uh, you know, that that puts in your mind. I just want women to know when you marry a man of God, there's full trust there. I I don't Mm -hmm. doubt he's never going to make a decision that hurts us. I trust him completely. And he's constantly obviously reminding me that I am to treat you as I treat myself, you know, because Mm. considering my opinion, but also the freedom in that, the freedom that I feel, knowing that I've given up that it's not my Mm. responsibility, it's his. There's just so much freedom in that. So Mm. I hope women grasp a hold of that
2: today. I definitely feel for myself, the times that I find myself having to make myself submit is those times when I want to be right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: When we're having a difference of opinion. And that's the moment where inevitably the spirit will say to me, just, just hold on because I want reconciliation yeah. and restoration more than I want to be right. And so mm-hmm. I trust God's design and I trust the Jesus in my husband, you yeah. know, in those moments.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Can I riff on that for a minute? Would that be all right? Um, Some really, really bad advice is to just give in as a guy. Well, honey, whatever you say. And the reason that that's bad advice is because your wife is your wife. She's the mother of your children. She deserves respect on many, many levels. And to condescend to her and coddle her like she's a, Child having a tantrum is not right or loving or what she deserves, and what you need to do is stand your ground and lovingly finish that disagreement. And you know, whenever Hallie and I get to that point where she just doesn't want to speak to me, then I just tighten all the jars in the house, and eventually she'll have to come talk it. to me. I
0: I love that. That was it. Oh goodness, um, what other Advice would you give speaking to people today? Especially, I always think of our young people that are looking at marriage. Uh, they have a lot coming at them from the world, from
2: worldly views. So, what would your advice be? Oh, goodness. Ooh,
1: I'd love to hear Sarah's um, take on that. I, have a lot I to say got that this
2: one. piece of advice from my parents. And at the time, of course, when you're a teenager and you know everything, I was like, oh my goodness, that's so ridiculous. But they said, don't ever date someone that you wouldn't marry. And that includes things like being unequally yoked, um, dating someone who is pursuing something sinful in their life, whether they're a believer or not. And so I followed that advice because I again respected my parents, even though I thought it was totally dumb. But I saw girls around me dating guys just because they were having a good time, and then they end up. Who do you end up marrying? Someone that you date, and so they they end up in love and. Feeling like oh I can change him and so I I'm, I would I would strongly advise girls today young young people today to prayerfully think about and pray pray ask God what has He designed for you in marriage what kind of person has He designed for you in marriage um, and as you pursue Christ honor what you feel like He's He's led you to write down on that list. I did that at one point, and I I was really surprised at how God fulfilled the things on my list. I was surprised at some of the things that weren't on the list that I thought for sure would be. Be mindful about who you spend your time with dating-wise and pursue what God wants for you. Because He designed us, and He designed our mate. That's great advice.
1: So brilliant. So brilliant. So one of the things that we schooled our kids to do starting from a very, very young age... Was to pray for their future spouse before they met him. Because, you know, God made that person specifically and especially for you in the same way that he made you for that person. And so while you're setting about improving yourself, it's wise to pray for that person and to pray for the wisdom to recognize them when God reveals them to you. The other thing is, after you've been together long enough to know that you're headed for marriage, my really, really strong advice, which is very unpopular, is get married. And uh, the problem with that is that our secular culture keeps saying, wait, 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 wait. Wait till after you graduate college. Wait till after you get your career started. Wait, 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 wait till you're 35. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, wait's what broke the bridge down. If you, you know, the, the issue with that is most parents don't support anymore. They used to uh, marriages when uh, uh, people are very young in their, in their late teens or early twenties. And that's a recent phenomenon. And it's very unhealthy uh, because, you know, the advice for men, unfortunately is, oh, go sell your wild oats, you know, be promiscuous uh, before you get married. And that's completely wrong. Uh, And for women, it's, you know, wait until you're, you know, very late into your childbearing years, which is also bad. Uh, advice, so my advice is uh, you know the parents have responsibility to support mm-hmm. that marriage I'd and agree, the young people need if, to go ahead when and get you do married. that
0: it avoids that whole <laughs> sin of sex outside of marriage too <laughs> uh, yeah i I love the advice that you sure. gave our our yeah. pastor uh, always says who you marry is the second most important decision of your life. The first is to mm-hmm. follow Christ and the second is who you marry. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just love that. And so and he he also Absolutely. talked about, Sarah, you talked about you had a list. Yeah. If you don't settle, you don't settle for anything less than that. He also likes to tell, you know, you just run your race for God. And pretty soon someone's going to be running right beside you. And at that point, you turn and say hello. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, I love that. I would agree. It, it is sad to see marriage isn't held sacred or it's not even attempted most of the time. I feel like my husband and I are kind of the oddballs. Uh, I was 19 when we got married and he was 23. The poor man had to wait for me to grow up is what happened because he's four years older than me. But, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah, I love that advice because I will say when we got engaged, I had a lot of people tell me you're, you're too young. You don't know what you want in life. You don't, you know, Mm -hmm. but I kept saying, no, I, I've been praying about this a long time, and uh, when you have that communication with God, there's, and He takes away the doubt. Mm. You really should move forward with it. So, marriage really is a beautiful thing when we mm. uh, follow God's uh, precepts for it.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely.
1: And this phenomenon of waiting forever is is very recent, and it came along with about the third wave of feminism, really. Um, because it was absolutely not an unusual circumstance to marry as young as you know sixteen, in the thirties and forties, and these are the folks that you know stayed married for sixty-five years or so, you know, uh, literally until death does you part. So I think the the waiting is is nonsensical, really. It also, you know. Uh, instills doubt and, and allows uh, the deceiver to come in and introduce a lot of thoughts that maybe wouldn't be there if you yeah. had someone yeah. who you were married to, <laughs> you know.
0: So just kind of segueing then, because you're talking about, you know, the, the next wave of feminism, and I know that's one of the topics that's getting discussed at your conference and your Christian Writers Conference, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. The Kentucky Christian Writers' Conference is the 27th annual Kentucky Christian Writers' Conference, if you can believe that. Uh, Math is not my strong point, so I kind of blacked out the COVID years, and I was saying, oh, it's the 24th, you know, but I've been been involved with it for so long. I guess things kind of blurred together, but it's the Mm -hmm. 27th annual conference. That's just amazing. Our venue this year is at the Elizabethtown Community College, which is there in the heart of the bluegrass. It's a great venue. And actually, we're doing an awful lot to celebrate marriage. Uh, One thing is if you're a writer, uh, but your spouse is not, you can go ahead and bring your spouse. So with your paid ticket for, I think it's $80. So the meals are $60. And then there's entertainment and activities that we do during the meals. So for meals and incidents, uh, your spouse can attend all the meal times with you and have full access to the facilities, the prayer room during the conference. Because, you know, we, we understand that even if your spouse is not a writer as you are, they're certainly your inspiration. I, I like to think that I'm Alice's sure, inspiration. For I know sure. Greg Turnquist is mm-hmm. Sarah's inspiration. In Absolutely. Many ways. And, and and your biggest fan and so that relationship is absolutely critical and important so we wanted to not leave that out and uh, so that's that's something that we just started this year uh, we voted on it. it was unanimous decision of the board and the committee uh, that we instigate mm-hmm. that and it'll probably stick around the other thing we're doing we're having a special session on thursday which is a, an intensive and uh, i have the honor and privilege once more to be teaching that intensive with J.P. Robinson, who is a mm-hmm. pretty cool historical writer, if, you, if you've never heard of him. But uh, J.P. and I are going to teach on four pretty controversial topics. So, you know, this wonderful thing happened that I honestly never thought would happen in my lifetime is Roe v. Wade got
0: overturned. Mm-hmm.
1: You remember that? How amazing is this? So we were talking about the different roles of men and women, you know women have a superpower, and that's that we they they bring little babies into the world. That's mm-hmm. just amazing, you know it's a miracle. it really is a miracle, so we'll be talking about that a lot. We're also going to confront mm-hmm. biblical manhood and how to write men well, mm-hmm. um whether they're bad guys or good guys, right and uh we're going to confront the ideology the ideology of feminism yeah. and uh, race, uh, which is kind of an, an interesting topic for JP and I to teach because JP is a lot darker than I am. Uh, so we used to teach a class called Men Are More mm-hmm. Than Black and White uh, with our tongues firmly in our cheeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to confront race and how race is a social construct. And, yeah. We actually came from just mm-hmm. two people, and I know their names, uh, you know. And and then we want to talk about identity, yeah. and identity is a really tough one to tackle currently, uh, where people think that gender is a social construct. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's really not. There's there's men and there's women, you know. <laughs> uh, and and then there's folks that need help. Um, so we're going to talk about that, and hopefully give our authors some tools that they can use to tackle those controversial topics, uh, in our culture, but in a way that we're teaching it in a very family friendly way. Uh, we're teaching it in a very loving way. I
0: love it. And I love that you guys are willing to tackle those topics because they tend to be ones that we try to avoid, to be honest.
1: (laughs) Well, um, there's this, this Mm -hmm. old saying, you know, uh, evil conquers when good men do nothing. And and the the biggest thing that has enabled our culture to slip so far down the rabbit hole Mm -hmm. is Christians sitting back and saying that will never happen. What? No gay marriage. Oh, that'll (laughs) never. Oh, taking prayer out of schools. That'll never. Abortion. Oh, that'll never. Um, so, you know, what we need to do is get things on track and then make our new motto never (laughs) again.
0: And, uh, Anything else you want to share about the conference? I, I had looked over it. You guys have amazing speakers coming in as well.
1: Our keynote is Diane Mills. Just amazing, amazing, talented, gifted author, a multi-published author, inspirational speaker, very instrumental in, in founding the Blue Ridge Christian Writers Conference um, Many other things. She's just involved in so many things, and uh, we are just honored to have her mm-hmm. as our speaker yeah. in our That's first so conference back in person since 2019.
2: Sarah, well, I always I to think take away any that of your one of the great things about this conference is the networking that you're able to do in person. I know it was there, there was an attempt to replicate it virtually, and that worked you know, ish, but, um, being able to sit across from someone and say, Hey, what do you write? Or, Hey, I write that too. Or let me give you this great resource. Or what did you think of the class? And, and it just leads to a wealth of discussions that are about writing and about life too. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's just kind of a perfect thing. We have this perfect venue uh, with, you know, convenient access to all kinds of facilities and, and resources, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not in some cave somewhere. It's it's close to civilization. Uh, but we have, you know, very technologically mm-hmm. advanced venue that is designed for teaching. Uh, this is during their fall break. We, we can take full advantage of all of those facilities mm-hmm. uh, and that technology, which is amazing. Um, our theme is unscrambled. Uh, because it seems for the last ooh, half decade or so, been pretty scrambled <laughs> as a culture. Uh, so we want to make our mark and try to unscramble that. I, I can't say enough about the folks that that volunteer on the committee, that serve on the executive board year after year, uh, that make it come together. Uh, but I also can't say enough about our conferees. And boy, do we have fun. We have amazing worship. Uh, I just got a preview of our worship team this year, new to us this year, but they look just amazing. We will have just inspiration, uh, fun entertainment and games, uh, during the meal times. But, you know, as Sarah said, the networking is really key because writing is, is kind of a solitary profession. You're, you're sitting in a room <laughs> and you're all by yourself except for all the voices in your head, right? Uh, so it's good to be next to another human being or in this case, you know, 60 or 100 human beings that are just like you and know your challenges and know your struggles and feel your pain. And maybe some are more mature than you in their writing journey. Maybe some are not. So you have the opportunity to find a mentor or be a mentor. Uh, but you you end up making connections and having relationships that just span decades or a lifetime yeah. and, and have so much oh, meaning. sounds wonderful. Uh, and it can really change. I,
0: lives. I, I have never I've never attended a writing conference well,
1: before. I, I also will say go ahead. Um,
0: so I jumped into this after COVID.
1: <laughs> <Huh>?
0: <laughs> or right during COVID. I'm kind of excited to maybe Perfect. try you guys out for my first in person.
1: Yeah. So. Well we would certainly welcome you and uh, I was gonna to say too the uh the thing about writing, you know i'm I'm not a writer, quote unquote. I have some unpublished works that have been you know collecting dust for many years. but uh when I married the <laughs> USA Today bestselling author, Hallie Bridgman, I realized I did not write you know compared mm-hmm. to that. so uh, really sharpen up. But um the point is that mm-hmm. writing is, especially when you write for Christ, especially when you write. When you sit down and you pray and you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and every word that comes out on the page is God-inspired, what you're doing in that craft is really emulating Christ. Because Christ, every time he taught, he taught with little fictional parables. You know, He, he taught with little stories. And so, you know, we have this gift of story that we're using as a tool to communicate the gospel. And the truth is, you know, we can, we can put that out into the world and then we can leave this world. And 50 or hundred years later, mm-hmm. that work that you did can touch a life, uh, you know, like C.S. Lewis has been dead a lot longer than he lived, mm-hmm. but people still read mere Christianity and the Chronicles of Narnia, and, you know, a grief observed and, and on and on it goes. Mm-hmm. He's still changing lives. He's been dead almost a, de- a century, um, and the same could be said of any Christian author. You 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 do this work for God and you dedicate it to him and, and write it for his glory. And 50 years after you're gone from this world, someone could find your work and it could change their life. And then you still get to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter now into my glory. And how awesome is that? How amazing is that? as a mission in life. And so we definitely want to nurture that. Another thing we're doing is opening up to the kids. If you have a kid in your life or five kids in your life or a neighbor kid or a nephew or a kid in your homeschool class, and with your paid ticket, you bring your kids and you pay for only meals. And we are opening up the entire conference to them, ages 10 to 17. They get the whole shebang uh, we're just asking you to pay for meals for them period that's it uh, and and we have a special teen track they're not obligated to go to that they can go to the grown-up classes if they feel you know so led mm. but uh, we really want to nurture that next generation I love it. of Christian. i, love it. I will
0: too. be posting links to the conference uh, underneath this podcast episode so people can check it out but i believe it is an early bird right now at 299 for the full Two days or three days?
1: Three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The The Thursday intensive is an extra fee because it's a special thing, uh, but you're certainly not obligated to do yes, that. If I you do so. buy a ticket for the intensive, I think it's $50, uh, then your wow. kids can join and attend that 100% free as well. Uh, and it will be yeah, family friendly. I mean, that's great to that, see some kids in there to hear
0: the truth too. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, Christ said, suffer mm-hmm. the little children to come to me and forbid yeah. them not. Don't forbid the kids to come to me. So, you know, to be Christ-like, we want to never forbid the children to come. Uh, and yes. In fact, nurture them, equip them with skills. You know, you have New York Times bestselling authors, Wall Street Journal bestselling authors, USA Today bestselling authors who are teaching their agents, yes. their editors here. Uh, it is a real deal, and and it's a great opportunity to find that uh, that upcoming talent yeah. and to to really uh, uplift and encourage. It. Any
2: any other war. final words you would like to share? Please come to the conference. <laughs> it's fantastic. It was my. It was my second writer's <laughs> conference to go to. And it's where I actually met Greg and Hallie. And what a blessing they have been in my life in my writing journey, but also outside of that. I keep mentioning that. But really and truly these relationships, because we we have Christ in common, span beyond just what we're what we're partnering with God to do. Mm. They span our lives as well.
1: Absolutely.
2: Fantastic.
1: And yeah, and don't let anything be a stumbling block to you. Uh, we we have, you know, bring your wife, bring your, bring the kids. Uh, it's, it's affordable. And it is, uh, you, when you walk out of there, you're going to feel like you have had, uh, you know, somebody yeah. filled the Grand Canyon with information and then upended it atop you. You're going to be buried and holy cow, there's a lot of information. But as you sift through everything that you learned and gleaned over the weeks and months that follow, uh, I can't even express the value that you're going to find there. Um, It it is the, the biggest little conference in the world. Uh, and certainly if you can, if you can come, we definitely encourage you to come. It's affordable. Uh, and we are working hard mm-hmm. to make our return to in-person, a big event. And, and we're really good at gearing up for that big 30th, that, that big three O that's coming up in a few years, but, uh, uh, but we're perfecting our craft. We're trying to make, uh, make it widely available, uh, to just as many people as can participate as possible but also to have the value and the quality I love and the it. impact. I love that it. I can't, thank expect.
0: you guys so much for hopping on and joining me today too. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us.
1: Yes, really, really my pleasure.
0: Thank you for tuning in to my inspirational moment from historical Christian romance novels. I hope you were inspired to pursue God just as he pursues you. For he wants none of his children to perish, but rather he wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you today to join your brothers and sisters in Christ and secure your spot in heaven. God bless and see you next time.